Hello and welcome to the Raw Fork Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marina Buxov, and I'm a functional medicine pharmacist in New York, as well as an integrative health coach and clinical herbalist. I'm pleased to go into season three of this podcast and continue to bring on other holistic-minded pharmacists and healthcare professionals to the show. I'm constantly inspired by my guests and their stories and love sharing their points of view with you all. Please enjoy the show. Hi everyone, today I had a wonderful time picking a fellow functional medicine pharmacist brain. I'm pleased to introduce to you Dr. Nicole Grahams, PharmD, a life coach and functional medicine pharmacist, also known aptly as the offbeat pharmacist. I'm always surprised myself where the conversation goes on these podcast episodes, since I always lead with the same questions but get wildly different topics out of them. Dr. Nicole and I ended up talking mostly about environmentalism and what it means to have total health on a large scale. Dr. Grams uses her experience in healthcare combined with nutrition, self-awareness, and empowerment to bridge the gap between standard medicine and optimal health and well-being. A believer in the mind-body connection, she teaches clients how to tune in and listen to their body for clues about their health, their needs, and their desires in order to break free from limits and live deeply fulfilling life. Dr. Grams graduated from the University of Wisconsin-Madison School of Pharmacy and is currently pursuing her IFMCP certification through the Institute for Functional Medicine. I hope you guys enjoy the episode and I'll talk to you next week. Hi and welcome to another episode of the Raw Fork Podcast. I have with me today Dr. Nicole Grams. She's a functional medicine pharmacist and a life coach. Welcome. Hi, thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm glad you're here. So I'm glad to be here. Yeah, just in your own words, why didn't you tell us how you kind of got started on this journey? How did you combine pharmacy and life coaching? Maybe just start with where you grew up and how you got, which one you got interested in first. Sure. Um, so I grew up in central Wisconsin in a small town. Um, I grew up in a family of nurses. My mom's a nurse. My grandma's a nurse. I have cousins who are nurses now. Um, I always kind of had an interest in the medical field, but didn't want to clean up after people and <laughs> decided that pharmacy was the way for me to go. <laughs> so many people say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it seemed like the best of both worlds, but um, I, I had decided... <laughs> Yeah. I had decided basically in high school that I wanted to be a pharmacist and like single-mindedly focused in and went right through onto pharmacy, I mean, through my pre-pharmacy and then onto pharmacy school and graduated pretty early and started my career as a retail pharmacist. Um, so I had always kind of had an interest in life coaching. Like anytime I kind of heard it, I, there was a little spark there, but I had this belief that because I had chosen to be a pharmacist, that was not possible. Mm -hmm. And, um, but yeah, so fast forward to my pharmacy career, I was content with how everything was, but I was also living for my vacations. And like, I, I was going to work, coming home, everything was fine, but nothing was super fulfilling. And I kind of, 
needed something a little bit more. So I started learning about food and wanted to learn about the, what, what all those buzzwords were of organic and uh, GMO and, you know, gluten-free and find out what that all meant because there was a lot of talk about it, but I didn't really know much. They didn't really teach us that in pharmacy school. So um, I started at the library, like I do with a lot of things. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I started, yeah, I started learning about food and that kind of spiraled into the environment. And I had always resonated with that sort of thing too, because the health of the planet is the health of the people and health of the food is also, you know, it's all connected, but, um, I, yeah, so I kind of pursued that on my own and started really getting into making changes in my own life to reduce plastic and, you know, help with that sort of thing. I joined Facebook groups. I actually started um, adminning a plastic-free support group on Facebook that has members worldwide, and it's really inspiring to see some of the stuff that people are doing. Um, but that, yeah, that's plastic free support on Facebook. And um, I kind of just went on with that for a little while and kind of believed that my environmentalist life was always going to be separate from my pharmacy life. And, you know, I was just living this dual reality <laughs> where in one, I'm handing out little pills of plastic, little plastic bottles of pills to people all day long. <laughs> and then in the other... <laughs> I'm this eco warrior that's trying to reduce all the plastic that I'm bringing into my own life and spread the word for other people to do the same. Um, so yeah, it was sort of learning about that. And then I, um, I had a little bit of a job change that didn't work out how I was hoping, but it gave me words for functional medicine. And that was kind of the spark that started the rest of the story, essentially. Um, I, um, I kind of just started joining that environmentalist side with the pharmacy side and like right away signed up for classes through IFM and wanted to really dive deep in, well, I actually signed up to, um, for health coaching first and then decided that that wasn't going to be deep enough for me. <laughs> so I signed up for the whole IFM certification and, um, have now completed all the classes for that. So I'm working on studying and getting certified there. Um, but in the process, I kind of decided that I wanted to open my own business and, that's how I opened Offbeat Health and um, hired a business coach and have kind of been hiding and not really sure what my voice is, but now I'm starting to really embrace it and see where it takes me. I've just been taking the next right step every step of the way. <laughs> yeah, as with anything, right? Right. I mean, first of all, for people who can't see me, I'm like snapping my fingers. I commend <laughs> you for what you've shared so far and the plastic free Facebook group. I'm probably part of that. If not, I'm definitely going to join. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And I also have definitely struggled with this duality and the fragmented mm -hmm. like feeling of self where part of me wants to promote one thing, but feeling like a hypocrite because I am inherently in an industry that is promoting something else. Or, exactly. at least, or at least like that's how it has been done for ages. And it's yes. so hard to know like where to start to change things and who can help us make this, those changes and um, who to ask, who to advocate to. Mm -hmm. um, 
So, you know, it's those questions that we're all starting to ask, which is really great to see that a lot of us are coming to the same conclusions. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely through this process, I had, well, even when I started learning about the environment more, I just had this eco-anxiety that I think a lot of people go through where it's like, oh my gosh, it's everywhere. What do I do? You know, and all you do is start with what you can control. And that sort of was an inspiration for me to kind of look at anxiety differently because I've always had this sometimes um, more severe anxiety at certain points in my life, but really working through that has been what has brought me into life coaching because I know that the transformation I went through when I got a coach was so incredible and like that is also health. So helping people get through their anxiety is the health of the body. You know, it's, again, it's all connected and that is connected to the environment. It is connected to what you're eating. It is connected to your mind and how it all works together. Absolutely. Yeah. So where did you go to study your health or life coaching? Um, I am a work in progress right now. (laughs) I'm focusing in on my IFM certification at the moment, and then I will be pursuing certification for life coaching. Um, But I'm not going to let the certification stop me from starting. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I like to hear. Just starting before you're ready. Yeah. The world is ready. So Mm -hmm. we should be ready to meet it where it needs to go. Right. Yeah. And helping in any way, shape or form that we are able to help and just just being ready for that next step. Yeah. And it's so fulfilling to work with people. And I've been working with a few people so far, um, but just seeing the transformation in them alone is so fulfilling. Like I could do that for the rest of my life. It feels so good. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So um, with your, you know, growing blossoming business what do you think you're going to be focusing on so i hear you saying that you are taking independent individual clients on for i'm assuming health um health coaching type of work or are you combining it with pharmacy consults of some sort um the pharmacy consults are separate right now um that i actually joined um farm to table to do the functional medicine piece of that um which um that whole thing has been amazing and just meeting the people I've met through that, including you is really cool. And just seeing what everybody's doing is really inspiring. Um, but that was sort of a, I don't know if I want to do that on my own. And (laughs) then here we go asking you shall receive, right? (laughs) Like Melody kind of, um, Melody's the owner of, farm to table but melody kind of found me in a group that we were in together and one thing led to another and here i am doing that but my coaching is separate at the moment um uh it has been health coaching combined with a little more so life coaching combined with a little bit of health coaching in with the clients that i currently have um but obviously it's functional based Mm -hmm. as well so functional medicine is all about like getting to the root of the health issue right so mm-hmm. we want to treat the cause and not the symptoms right exactly so what are you finding as like i'm assuming you're finding like a lot of common you know common root causes across the board and that's why it's all related to environment and overall um, you know collective health if you will 
Mm-hmm. So what are you finding to be like these common um, symptoms or complaints that people are going to you for? Um, well, the, the common the common cause, I guess, is anxiety. Mm-hmm. And just, I mean, that if we didn't have stress or anxiety, like 75% of the health problems in the world would be gone in a day, right? <laughs> it's that serious. Um, but just sort of people come to me when they feel stuck and they just want to, they, they feel like something else is out there and, you know, just don't know how to get there. Mm-hmm. So the people that I've been working with have just been, it, it's been, like I said, it's been incredible to see their transformation just by doing a few mindset shifts. And I sort of take a mindset first approach with my coaching of mm-hmm. like, even if, if it's, you want to lose weight, you have to shift your mindset around your body image and your image and your relationship with food. Like that's probably the most important first step because you can follow a diet plan to a T and still not like what you're doing. So it's not going to last, but shifting the mindset to be in that abundance mindset, that growth mindset, that coming from a place of love instead of scarcity and fear is where it has to start. Yeah, that's paramount. That's mm-hmm. certainly what I find it to be the case too. And you know, with my own clients, I also find it a little bit difficult to find like this middle, middle ground with my coaching where I feel like I am not qualified enough as a psychoanalyst or, you know, psychologist to like really delve deep into the causes for their anxiety or food relationships. So it's like, how do you walk that fine line, you know, not being a medical doctor, or, you know, mm-hmm. certified as a mental health mm-hmm. care practitioner? Right. Uh, but still having the skills, you know, as a life and health coach to walk people through that's, you know, it's kind of a tough act, I feel like. It is. It definitely is. But um, I always encourage my clients to be in therapy. I'm in therapy myself. And it's, it's, it, it's helpful to have more than one perspective. Mm-hmm. Also, when you're working through something, especially something like feeling like discontent with your life, like yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a big thing where yeah. on paper it looks like you should be happy you might have a house you might have a spouse you might you know have a job and career that you you worked really hard for but there's something still missing you know and it's it, it's really diving into what that is and we do a lot of inner child work to figure out what part of you isn't being heard and what part of you aren't are you not pursuing mm-hmm. um and there, there are some things with trauma that I am not trained in. And I absolutely know my limits with that. Like I have been through my own traumas and can help people process them, but I'm very clear with like, look, this, I I will help you with how I can, but I would encourage you to get somebody else that has been trained better in this. If it's something a little too deep. Yeah, absolutely. And I also love referring to other, you know, both medical doctor practitioners and holistic practitioners. So I work with like craniosacral therapists and, you know, I refer people to acupuncture Mm -hmm. and if they need mental health or other types of follow-up or blood work or things like that, you know, we are all on the same team and same side. We are all trying to help the patient. Yeah. So do you, um, do you have any sort of like programs for your clients or is it like a, you know, fee for service, like, you know, 
booking appointments one at a time? Like how does the whole business model look right now? Yeah, so the, the functional medicine consults are the fee-for-service. The um, Each appointment is separate. Mm-hmm. Um, but my coaching right now, I just have one-on-one coaching, and it's a 90-day program um, available right now. And maybe by the time this is airing, I might have more. But um, future directions are um, group coaching, longer terms, um, just sort of, I mean, ultimately I I have a vision of sort of building a wellness center with different energy healing modalities. I would love to get into that direction and really dive in because I've done, I've had a little bit of Reiki done with me and I'm just learning about all kinds of things. And I just started learning about human design and those charts and it's, it's all very exciting for me and just to see how it can all complement each other and really add to everybody's life and help them figure out what's, what their blocks are and how to rebalance everything. So eventually (laughs) I'm going to build a wellness center. I'm going to build a whole community. And again, I'm just going to take each right next step. Everything that feels right in the moment is where I'm going. Yeah, that's such an awesome philosophy to live by. It's often like so overwhelming to imagine like the road to get to your objective. Like for you, it's building a well wellness or health center, right? Yeah. It seems so overwhelming, but then if you break it down into a manageable step-by-step mm-hmm. plan, right, it becomes manageable and, you know, you stop having all the anxiety. You just like mm-hmm. focus on one, completing one step at a time. Right. And often, like, that's what stops people from doing any kind of action. They're just right. paralyzed because it just seems so impossible. When it's so overwhelming them. sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Just like with children, right? You know, a lot of uh, people are freaked out. They don't want to have kids. But your kid doesn't become an adult overnight. So every stage is like one magical. day at a time. <laughs> you research each stage. <laughs> you do the best you can with each step one day at a time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's and then you have nine months to prepare for the birth of the <laughs> child too. So it's a, a little extra study time. <laughs> right. That doesn't mean it gets any better, but I, I guess I don't know. I don't have any kids myself. I haven't been through it, but I imagine that even no matter how prepared you are, it's always going to be a little bit of a crisis. Like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, you get confident by overcoming things and then you know you build up the habits and then you you get like I said you just get stronger and more confident each day that you will be able to handle what's next yeah so you get and you know it's just one of those things that I feel like people people don't know I don't know how to even say this what I'm trying to say um so people with having kids right they don't know how much joy it can bring them to like, obviously it could come with a lot of like anxiety and worry. And like, you want to make sure your child is happy and safe and all of that. But it also comes with so much joy that, you know, it becomes worth it. And that's like exactly how life is. So Mm -hmm. if you, if you'd sit back and you don't risk anything, then you won't get that reward at the end either. So you have to take like the good with the bad. Exactly. And with that, like from a coaching standpoint, in order to experience the happy, you also need to experience the sad and the frustrating. And, you know, the point of life is not to be happy all the time. You don't want to be happy all the time. 
there are, I mean, you don't want to be happy and joyful when you're at a funeral, for example, you know, like there, there are times when you're going to experience hurt and pain and frustration. And that's all a part of being human. And that's something that through life coaching, I am learned, I'm, te- I'm helping to teach people how to drop into their emotions. And actually, one of my clients I was talking to, um, uh, she wasn't feeling really secure with her vulnerability. And we, we got on a topic and then she started getting emotional and wanted to get off the call. And I said, okay, you know, call me back when you're done. And she called me back literally four minutes later. She's like, seriously, that's all it took when you let me process this? I'm like, yes, literally four minutes is all it took. And it's something that otherwise she could have hung on to for months, you know, just this underlying feeling. And it's when you try to suppress those emotions that you run into problems because that turns into physical ailments in your body. It turns into pain. It turns into chronic disease. And that's exactly why I'm diving into that. (laughs) Just sinking into it and feeling it and allowing it and without judgment, just letting it happen. Yeah. Judgment is definitely a big topic. Mm -hmm. And sometimes just the, like you were saying, the only way out of a situation is to go through a situation. Exactly. Like, you know, no matter how much you try to avoid it and deny it, eventually it's just going to make matters worse and prolong the suffering. Whereas if you choose to face it head on, uh, you know, you're going to definitely be just uncomfortable and it might be painful and not pleasant, but there's going to be a resolution at the yeah. end of that suffering. Yeah. Oh, and I guess I kind of wanted to connect that to um, talking about having kids. Because when you have a kid, you don't think that their life is going to be just happy all the time. On some level, you know that they're going to suffer. They're going to have bad days. They're going to be angry sometimes. And that's all a part of what makes it amazing. Yeah. All the challenges like build us up and help us learn new ways to deal with them. And like you were saying, you, you can't just have lights without the dark. They're all like playing off each other. They're two sides of the same coin. So if you're going to have one, you're going to have the other. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to distinguish them. And yes. it would just be a flat line. Yep. So that's equal to death, the flat line. So you, you can't have life without these ups and downs. Right. No matter what. so you know I also want to connect that to your um, you know you're saying that you want to have all these different holistic uh, energy healers and practitioners uh, so everything is connected you know there is this energy everywhere and we're part of nature we're connected to nature Mm -hmm. so we to have total health sometimes it's not enough to just like look at the physical body as our current western model is having us do so like we, we, we have studied human design, we've studied chemistry and physics and all of that and biology, but just fixing things on that physical level is not always enough. So you, some, you, know, you do have to go deeper into your mindset and your mm-hmm. outlook and whether or not you, know, you are happy in life or is, is there, what is missing from your life for you to be happy? It's not always like a lack of a neurotransmitter you know, right. sometimes it's, we can produce our own neurotransmitter if we stimulate them. Exactly. With our mind. Yes. Yep. 
And I used to be, a, well, I used to be what I called, and I think a few of my friends also called an open-minded skeptic. <laughs> like we'd go into things like, okay, what's this all about? Like, are you sure this doesn't seem legit, but it's cool. Like, okay. <laughs> but now, especially since I've been through coaching and um, kind of been through a spiritual awakening, if you will, um, it's just sort of more shifted my mindset to be a, why can't this be real? You know, instead of a, is this real? It's, it's a, why not? You know, it can't hurt anything. And, yeah. you know, worst case, nothing happens, right? But the placebo effect is a real thing. And if you believe in something hard enough, it will help you live that way. You know, it, it will change your body physiology. Yeah, so absolutely the placebo effect is real. That's where we measure against it with every single clinical study. And the nocebo effect is real too. That's when you yeah. don't believe something will work and it doesn't work. Right. So I always say the same thing. Why not har harness the power of placebo and actually use that as medicine exactly. rather than having to go through all this process of manufacturing drugs and R&D and side effects and all of that. Why not harness that placebo, have people, you know, hone in on that technique and make themselves feel better and heal themselves with the power of their minds. Right, exactly. And adding in nutrition and um, stress reduction as a part of that, because again, everything's all connected and one specific change is not going to be enough. So having this placebo effect might not be enough if you're eating fast food all the time and drinking soda and, you know, just not getting the nutrients that your body needs to heal and thrive. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and even in pharmacy school, we always learn non-pharmacological means and methods first, and then followed by pharmacological therapy, if necessary, as an add-on, as an adjuvant, but you always still continue the other things. So it's like, you know, you can't expect to get really bad building blocks for your foundation and then not have it crumple. So you, right. need, you need to put in very good nutrients and building blocks for, to uh, arm and support yourself to be able to thrive. Right. So yeah, you, can't just, you can't just like put a Band-Aid on a broken foundation. You need to like go right. and find out why is it not working in the first yep. place. Exactly. You need the nutrition. You need the sleep and rest. You need the exercise. You, there are certain non-negotiable things that need to happen in order for optimal wellness. And that's what we're all after, right? <laughs> yeah. And I always find like, it sounds so simplistic when you say it like that to clients and like, they're like, Oh, what am I paying you for? You know, to tell me to drink water and to sleep. But it's so counterintuitive in our culture to, to put value on those things and to actually make them as hard and fast rules to, right. to live by. Well, that we, yeah, we almost like don't think they will work because they're so simple. Right. And there's a lot of media and marketing around making it not so simple. And it just like that sometimes the, the simplest thing is the answer and you can't wrap your head around it. And that's the same with coaching where you learn that you can choose your emotion. You can choose how you respond to things and it doesn't seem like it should be that possible or that, that simple rather. Um, 
But really it is if you dive deep enough into that. And it's not as simple as like, oh, I'm just going to decide not to do this. <laughs> you have to get to the core of why you believe that you need to feel this way and then work on changing it. And it takes time and it takes practice. Um, but yeah, the, the societal implications of eating healthy, there's a lot of judgment around there because if you go to a cookout or if you go to the Super Bowl party or whatever it is, you're not, you're going to be shamed if you bring a salad and yeah. you're not eating all of the, you know, thousands of calories of food that are around you. And there's no shame in eating the thousands of calories of food, right? So like, why, why is that such a thing sometimes? Yeah. Not everybody, but it happens a lot. Yeah. It's definitely like more socially acceptable to just fit in and do what everybody else is doing without question. And if you try to, um, well, not even, I found like, even if you don't even try to tell anybody else what to do, if you're not trying to educate or preach, you're still being judged if you're not going and, and eating whatever everybody else right. is eating. So everybody- Because you're an outsider then. Yeah. <laughs> why, yeah, you're ostracized. Like, why are you going to, you know, be snobby or why are right. you going to like reject this food? And, you know, a part of it is like, you know, sometimes you do just, you know, want to be grateful and thankful for what you have. But if you, there are other choices, then, you know, I for one would like to make to make the choice that will be healthier for myself in the long run. And so I've found that like, the only excuse you could give is like, I don't feel well after eating that, you know, like, you can't just say, Oh, I want to prevent any future complications. You have to say, I don't feel well right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So that's okay. That's socially acceptable. Yep. And also like when, when you decide to make healthier decisions for you, you under, you have to understand that sometimes other people are not going to be okay with your decision, but it's not any of your business, how they feel about what you are doing for yourself. So that takes a huge mindset shift too of you know, I'm not here to tell you that you can't do whatever you want. I'm not here to tell you that you're doing anything bad. I'm just choosing this for myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm just, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a certain level, I guess, of maturity and like camaraderie and acceptance. And mm -hmm. I think just people often will feel judged, you know, even if it's not direct they will they will indirectly assume that you're judging their choices if you're not right. making the same ones right yeah so it's difficult and so i remember you saying you started researching you know the whole holistic side and food environment when you were in pharmacy practice so what exactly like triggered that for you was it just patients that were interested in these type of in different diets and you wanted to be uh, aware of them or was it personal um, health issues that were going on or family stuff? Yeah, it was really more personal because I had kind of, I've always wanted to have a deeper connection with my patients, but at a retail setting, it's really, really hard to do that. And there were certainly some patients that I really connected with and got to know their story a little bit better, but it's really hard to do that when you're doing several hundred prescriptions a day and you're the only pharmacist, right? Yeah. So it's, and you don't, like have the time to spend like you want. So that was always sort of a, one of those question marks that I had that was like, oh, well, 
I can't, I guess, because I didn't want to go back and do a residency. I didn't want to do any specialty training or anything like that. You know, so I was stuck where I was and I decided, okay, well, I'm just going to start learning about food for myself and find out what this is all about. And um, it, it was very much just a personal decision and not really very many people were asking me about it because that's not what they expected me to know about mm-hmm. at that point, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly people would probably go to a nutritionist or a dietitian if they wanted to ask about food. But I do, you know, like to be informed as a person in healthcare about all available options, so including the non-pharmacologic options. So I do want to be, let's say, well-versed with anybody who would come and ask me for what, what else they can do in addition to their medicine or how to mitigate side effects and things like that. And often, you know, things that are, can be interventions that are not prescribed. They could be a supplement, they could be an herb, they could be a probiotic, they could mm-hmm. be, you know, just like lifestyle interventions as well and diet. So right. all of these things, yes, we have specialists that specialize in all of them and mm-hmm. become experts, but also I think it is nice to be well-rounded enough to be aware that they're out there. And if you don't have enough knowledge to refer to those people that do, if you mm-hmm. feel like that would be helpful for your patients. Right. So uh, regarding the plastic stuff again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's just such a conundrum that we are giving like dispensing bottles, plastic bottles of plastic caps, and every month there's a refill. And so like there's just so much waste that goes on in the industry. And then both ordering of the bottles that are also all plastic and then uh-huh. and, and very smaller bottles. Yeah. And in my experience, not that many pharmacies actually even recycle the bottles. Which, yeah. Yeah. But I, I read a book, um, I think it was called Plastic Free by Beth Terry. And that was the first book that really kind of put it in words what I could do. Otherwise, it was just this big general idea of, you know, all this stuff. But then that was the first one where it really made me look at what I was purchasing. And I changed my whole grocery buying habits. And I started buying local fresh produce from the co-op instead of the packages of everything, you know. And now it's a little more difficult, especially with the pandemic still currently in full force where they've taken away a lot of the bulk options because it's not as safe, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But that was, after I finished that book, the next day I went into work and I almost had a panic attack with how much plastic there was surrounding me that I was touching every day. And it really made me think about toxins and the toxic buildup that a lot of us are exposed to so many toxins that are not natural thing, naturally occurring things. So a lot, I I do truly think that a lot of our health problems are stemming from, at least in part, from the toxins that we're exposed to and not having the nutrients to support our own detoxification system Mm -hmm. and get that out. Absolutely. I totally agree. I think, yeah, a lot of the toxic burden can be, um, you know, mitigated by herbs and supplements and nutrients and things like that and to help our liver and other organs of detoxification work. But at the same time, like, I hear you because why would we, fine, we can come up with solutions to the problem, but how about solving the actual problem and exposing ourselves to less plastic 
mm-hmm. as a whole because it's it like you said it's an endocrine disruptor it affects all of us in one way or another and that's why we're seeing the scale of all these diseases that we're seeing all you know the cancers that are just growing and growing exponentially all mm-hmm. the inflammatory autoimmune diseases mm-hmm. you know they're all coming from our environment not being healthy so both yeah. both the fact that we're stressed and anxious about the future but also like physically what is floating around in our rivers our oceans you know our soils are being depleted because mm-hmm. of farming practices mm-hmm. all the plastic that's everywhere that personal care hygiene products food products were you know giving babies little plastic yogurts and like you know everything packaged in plastic as well and giving them plastic toys to chew on plastic bottles plastic toys <laughs> <laughs> you know it's crazy it's like how do we expect to be healthy if like our exposure is so high yeah exactly it is a conundrum and so I actually found out there's a company that's going to be, uh, I I think the research and development might've been in India, but they're going to have like a plant here that's going to make um, prescription bottles and like a lot of pharmacy supplies out of corn, essentially. So that would be great. You know, I can't wait to support companies like that. And I hope big players in the game, you know, big pharmacies and chains like follow suit and really try to reverse a lot of the damage that's been done and like going forward Mm -hmm. uh, choose more eco-friendly options and sustainable options yeah i mean i would love to see a reusable option um logistically it might not be the best thing you know but i i always push for i it's illegal in Wisconsin, at least, to reuse plastic prescription vials. So it was always like, I'm sorry, I can't, like, I can't even legally under the counter, like, okay, here's your same bottle back. You know, like I I wanted to so bad, but it's not something that legal, I mean, who's going to find out, but still, you can't start crossing those legal lines and then still be okay with it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah. Yeah. So these things are just like, I, you know, I could imagine that in hospitals, it's even worse because they, you know, they have such acute care settings oh, and yeah. they have to be just like super sterile with everything. And the individual, but at least they have like, small packages, right? So yeah. like, you know, we, we just have so much waste with like big packages and then we consistently refill it every single month. Right. So it just builds up. So yeah, I can't mm-hmm. wait for there to be better solutions and even better if we can just reduce everybody's both toxic load and burden, as well as the burden of the medications that they now have to take because yeah. their body is not working right. Yep, exactly. So, yeah. So I really want people to be healthy without the crutches of medication, you know, just supply your body with good building blocks, um, have easy detox and elimination habits and practices and you know strengthen your immune system that is just like i find every day more and more that like the, your immune system is like at the seat of health you know like proper immune function to protect versus pathogens but also not self-destruct in the process yeah. and mm-hmm. not blame you know that is like the golden middle if you have an, a proper immune function Yes. So um, the the plastic thing for personal use, um, you know, I think a part of the problem, again, about the overwhelm is like 
you know it's a problem. You might know it's a problem. Maybe you don't know it's a problem still. But um, I think by now everybody kind of knows it's a problem that we have a lot of toxins in the environment, and plastics are one of those toxins. And you know they're killing the potential food that could be healthy for you. They're actually making it making it unhealthy for you. Mm -hmm. Your food is if you're eating up the food chain, your food is now filled with plastic as well. Right. Um, or depleted of nutrients. So uh, the thing is, like, how do you fight it by yourself as an individual? And, you know, you gave a really good suggestion of just like empowering your own taking personal responsibility. You can't be responsible for the whole world. Like, you know, chances are that you're not responsible for, for the whole world. So you just do what you can personally. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe you are in a position where you are uh, able to change your whole business or um, influence other people, then use that. But if not, at least start with yourself. Like that's all we can do as consumers and like put our money and our dollars, our hard earned dollars into strategies that we believe in and products that we believe in. And uh, hopefully the market uh, supply will kind of catch up with our demands. Right. So like in New York recently, like right before COVID hit full, full force, we had a plastic bag ban <laughs> and everybody was like kind of going crazy and saying like, you know, oh, like, how can they do this to us? You know, are we a third world country? Like we, you know, we escaped third, third and second world countries to come here and now like we're being treated like we don't have any, you know, supplies or whatever. But yeah, isn't it, like, isn't it funny how plastic has become the like first world thing that we yeah. need in our lives? Like this is literally something that you put something in for a few seconds to a few minutes and then you're done with it and you throw it away and yeah. it's there for, you know, hundreds or thousands of years. Yeah. Back in my country, we were lucky to get a bag and we all like washed plastic bags and reused them. And like we had good quality plastic bags. So like you would just reuse it over and over again and just mm -hmm. like wash it and it would be fine. Mm -hmm. But you know, you can't really do that. You, you take it home from the grocery store nowadays and it already like rips or disintegrates on the way. Yeah. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's a problem. Like we, I think we have enough other options. Like we have cloth bags. And uh, I think one thing in supermarkets that's hard to do is like have bags for the actual like, produce you know like you need something clear that the cashier can bring up and you know count towards you so um there's like these nets you know these netted bags that people can yeah i was just there. gonna say that <laughs> but that's like a good option and then you just carry everything home in a tote bag or something like right. that well, and see, like for me, I bought some, well, I was going to make them, but I ended up not having enough time. I just wanted to buy a few produce bags and even the ones that are, well, at least where I shop, they let us use them and tear the weight of them. So you're not paying for the weight of the bag itself mm -hmm. and they just sort of peek in or you write like on the side or write down or tell them what's in there and they can type in the little PLU number and off you go. Like there's, they, they're so awesome. And I hope that this whole thing spreads to more places because I love it. I don't have anything extra to throw out when I get home. I don't have to throw out plastic every time I shop. <laughs> yeah. And I, whenever, you know, I used to 
to use plastic bags, I would just like reuse them for garbage, mm-hmm. you know, use the same bags for, for my garbage bag rather than buying new garbage bags. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then I would also like reuse those bags when I would go to the supermarket, let's say, but still like you would have a collection of bags that you would mm-hmm. eventually have to throw out. Like it's, you're not going to use every single bag that you right. end up getting at the supermarket. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the problem is it does take some planning and some work to know that you need to carry your bags because you might go to the store today and or like keep them in the car in case. So it's like, you know, people that are complaining about this law, uh, I guess they're not environmentalists, but also like they realize it's going to be just more difficult right. to, to go shopping because you, you yeah. have to plan. You know, you don't have to know I'm going to go to the store. They're going to yeah. charge me for their usable bag or whatever the case is. And like other countries in Europe have have done this for ages, like charging for the bags. If you're if your money, if you're getting something for free, you're just gonna take it. You yeah. know, it's like human nature and mentality. But if there's like some tax on it or some extra fees involved, you might start to make different choices. Right. You have to put it in a way that people value. And people value, even though most of the time it's only a few extra cents, they see that and it they take it seriously because that's the default now is you have to pay for more. And it's really more just that it's less convenient. You know, we've become such a convenience based society. You can grab and go anything you want. And when something gets thrown in there where that's not as possible, it feels bad at first and people fight it at first. It feels like it's unhinging on your freedom of choice, right? Know, because like now you you are limited from certain choices. Mm-hmm. So you know I get that, but at the same time, like we're all in this together, and I do think change, yeah, change can come from individuals, but most rapid and effective change, of course, will come when there's like some laws or money involved where people start to pay attention because now it's against the law to to do this or that or to carry these bags or right. now these items are taxed so maybe think twice about whether or not mm-hmm. you really need them like when new york also i forget when it was like probably 10 or more years ago we had that um sales tax on the big sodas the supersized sodas <laughs> yeah. so everybody like protested and they were yeah. like what are you doing like how could right. you have this and everything like that but I was you know I was all for it because right you know if uh, change is going to happen and education is going to happen if somebody else like makes it more difficult for you to to go and um, do something it's going to just kind of uh, maybe give you other options that are healthier for you and right. them in the long run hopefully right and it's that nudge. It's just that the the little nudge that you need. The the extra taxes are not saying you can't do this. Yeah, yeah, you just, you know, this is not the standard. And if you don't want the standard, you have to pay a little bit extra or whatever it is, you know, like just changing that mindset again. <laughs> it's like, you know, smoking and alcohol, like smoking used to be so popular and so like um just cool you know and advertised everywhere but when we started to notice all the public health effects and negative health effects um and all those like truth campaigns then came out the anti-marketing that's when the truth started coming out like legitimately the truth started Mm -hmm. coming out because uh, a lot of people like didn't believe it because the marketing was so good that um they were like how could they sell us a product that is bad and unfortunately, we don't know everything all at once. And 
you know, there's cases and cases and evidence that is presented that finally will convince us otherwise. So it's like making those steps, but ultimately having a whole team group effort and like a public effort where mm -hmm. everybody's like on board and everybody's trying to do the right thing. Yeah. So I think like that's ultimately where I find that health really intersects with politics and government. You know, right. I think to, for change to happen on a large scale, they do, the big players do have to get involved. And, you know, I hope that they do. I hope like we have good advisors in the government to help the leaders. The, the leaders don't have to know everything, you know, they don't have to be the expert in everything, but they need good advisors in every field that will help to guide them. Yes. So that they will help the rest of us um, make really good decisions for, for collective health. Mm -hmm. Right. Because individual health doesn't necessarily have the impact that it feels like it should, especially with toxins, because it takes a long time for those to build up. And most people don't take action until they start seeing symptoms. And then reality hits. And then they care about the toxins and the plastic. And it really takes something personal. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, money is a more immediately personal thing. So taxing something is going to have more of an immediate impact than threatening these potential health things down the line, you know, so it's just really frustrating. But we're also getting to a point where more and more people are are being affected from mm -hmm. toxins. So hopefully, it's not for nothing and somebody notices and starts to make these policy changes that are necessary. Yeah, absolutely. Because right now it's like the people that are noticing it and are able to afford, let's say, going to a functional medicine specialist um, or, you know, even a, a life or health coach, um, this is all out-of-pocket expenses. Mm -hmm. So typically people that can afford it are able to go and get help and detox and get their individual health maybe back on track, which also takes work and dedication and mindset and possibly purchasing more uh, things out of pocket, such as supplements and things like that. So, so that can only be accessible really to a small percentage of population. And the, the rest of us really are reliant on like this public health and global effort. So I really do think um, there's a need for that. And, mm -hmm. and uh, what else did I want to say? Uh, it's eluding me right now. Um, so well, I guess just to jump in for a second, yeah. um, the, especially with swapping things to reusables, ultimately it saves money. It might be a little bit more upfront, like buying produce bags or finding jars. I mean, it's even just saving the jars that instead of throwing them out and washing them and using them again, but it can really save a lot of money over even just a couple of weeks or a couple of months to make some of these changes, like especially like cloth diapering, for example, there's, they're pretty expensive up front, but you can get a lot of them secondhand that's less, you know, or there are some places that sort of have diaper services where they come and actually swap them out. But if you look at the cost of diapers for an infant until they're potty trained, the cost of the disposables are much more expensive than the cloth reusables. And that was just the first example that I could come up with, but it's a pretty extreme cost savings like hundreds of dollars if not more and I think thousands right <laughs> yeah yeah it's ridiculous and so yeah it's it's both better for the environment and for your pocket 
and a lot of times even for the baby to yeah train faster because they kind of feel that it's Mm -hmm. getting wet and they also get changed more frequently so they Mm -hmm. tend to get like the same rashes right so that is that is a really good example that i can attest to personally (laughs) and uh i was just gonna say um about about the planning for these things and for Mm -hmm. these changes so personally like i've kind of got the hang of shopping at a supermarket um Mm -hmm. with like reusable materials but like how do you go to like take out food like you know take out it's going to be in a plastic container or even like ready-made food at like you know like for example i sometimes shop for like ready-made meals at like Mm -hmm. my cultural store like i'm a fashion background so it's like they have like these ready-made things but it's always in plastic like right now it's not going to be accepted for you to come with your own glass jar container let's say and um because they would have to like tear everything. Mm-hmm. So maybe a small shop would allow that, but like a big store would not allow that or like a takeout place. I I don't know, maybe some of them would allow that. But ultimately it's like this whole conversation that yeah. has to happen and like the planning on you to bring the jars <laughs> ahead of yeah. things like that. I definitely know there's like a bunch of um, like herb and spice shops that do that, that like you can bring your own containers and get your fresh herbs and spices, one of which mm-hmm. I worked at. And like other supermarkets are starting to pop up that are like specialty ones like that. But again, like we're so used to like ordering things online and Amazon and like calling the takeout place for delivery mm-hmm. that like we um, just are kind of too lazy, frankly, to even think about, oh, like the environment will wait because right now it's more convenient for me to do this. Right. I'm hungry now. I need it now. But yeah, even on that note, um, if you get see here's here's another encouragement for shopping local and supporting local businesses because the smaller businesses are much more likely if you come in and talk to them and say hey I really want to reduce my environmental impact I see that you guys are awesome I love your food can I use my container and you just put it in you know whatever and people have had a lot of success with that and even if they say no you can order food and to dine in and they'll usually usually it's not disposable plates that they bring you food on and then you can just put it in, in your container you know that's not as what easy as yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i even when i go out to eat at restaurants um i have started bringing my own container in my purse because usually there's either like a flat one that i bring or there's a collapsible one that you know, it doesn't matter what the food looks like here. I'm just going to put it in there and off, off I go. Nobody's ever complained about that, about me taking my leftovers in my own container, you know? So just again, pre-planning and it's a little bit less convenient, but if you're serious, it's possible to do those sorts of things. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. I'm going to definitely start to ask the places that I shop at if they could do that for me, because that stuff has been weighing heavily on my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and one last thing I wanted to mention about like the global health crises. Um, so like autism, right. has been cropping up and just popping up everywhere. And Mm -hmm. like, there's this whole controversial debate over whether vaccines cause it or not. Right. So, um, you know, vaccines definitely have toxic ingredients as adjuvants added to it because they're trying to initiate an inflammatory response. They're trying to alert your immune system to the fact that there's a toxin right here. Mm -hmm. So like here, come and get me. 
So that's right. part of the vaccine design. And yes, inherently accumulation of these toxics can be, you know, not that great. Um, but I think it's like the overall body burden is just so high in everyone already because of all these other environmental things that we've been talking about. Yeah. That it could be like the last drops in the bucket. Like it wouldn't harm somebody that is strong and healthy, but somebody that already has like a low ability to detox um, right. will get affected by something like this. Right. So I think and those, there's like, you know, a truth to everything. Right. And those, those sorts of things with looking at total body burden, are they able to, again, eat properly? Are they stressed out? Because that impacts your immune system and your detoxification system significantly if you're not sleeping if you're not if you don't feel connected in your community or have good healthy relationships with people all that stress is having a massive impact so no wonder there is such a spike in mental health crisis and autism and all of this stuff because it's just layering one thing on top of another and, you know, I don't think that vaccines are the devil. You know, I think they've helped to save a lot of lives. It's just, you know, yes, there's good and bad, but look at how much good with that sort of thing. And yes, making an educated decision and doing research yourself and finding out what feels right to you is very important, but that's true of everything, mm -hmm. you know, and making the right decision for you. Yeah. But, you know, not to kind of put my uh, my opinion out there but for public health you know you can't deny that vaccines have been very helpful yeah. for public health right so that individual it, it does come down to like do you value the individual over the public or what is you know and that's a very complex question because mm -hmm. obviously if you're the individual you value yourself or like your kids and and um so it's it's very difficult but it does and in some ways affects a lot of people it's like more than just the individual so um it's like a very scary thing but my whole thinking behind bringing this up is that if we lower like the overall burden that everybody has to deal with by you know lowering the actual toxins that we're throwing mm -hmm. out there then people will actually be fine with taking the standard you know medical treatments uh, at one time or another and the fact that the child doesn't have a developed immune system yet and doesn't have um, you know, they have the nutrients from the mother, but first of all, maybe the mother is stressed out and like pregnancy itself is very stressful. So right. like, they are passing that all onto the child. Um, and then if they're breastfeeding or not, they're also passing sometimes those uh, stress hormones as well. And the microbiome. Um, yeah. And the microbiome. Absolutely. So it, it all like plays a role. Um, so the health of the parents influence the health of the child. And then like, by the time the child builds up its own health, um, yes, yeah, something could potentially be toxic to the child because there's just not enough strength built up yet. Right. So it's it's a big problem, um, but I think that prevention overall, not just with vaccines, but just like detoxifying our environment mm -hmm. will be the solution that will help everyone's individual health. And I don't think anybody can debate that. Yeah. <laughs> So that's, that's my conclusion. Yeah. Um, so this has been really great chatting with you and yeah. we're actually like running out of time, but if you have like a minute or two for my rapid fire questions. That sure, absolutely. Okay. So number one, what's your number one advice for people to improve their quality of life right now? Get enough sleep 
and take a look at what you're eating. Like those are some of the, if you're not sleeping, you're not detoxing, you're not resting, you're not clearing out your brain essentially. Yeah. The pillars. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, what do you like to do for fun? I am a traveler and that comes with great conflict with my environmentalist side. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, I love traveling. I love experiencing different cultures, different landscapes, different. I love seeing it all and experiencing it and really sitting and getting a feel for a city. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Challenging now during these times, but, uh, but yeah, in better times. Certainly. Mm -hmm. And lastly, what is your favorite beverage that you like to enjoy? Um, my favorite beverage is actually very, very simple. I usually have a mint plant growing in a pot outside and I snip off a couple of stems of mint and put them in my water. Oh, awesome. So that's like a nice... And basil too. Yeah, flavored water. I love that. Mm -hmm. um, okay, and please tell all the listeners how they can reach you and get in touch with you and learn more about what you do. Yeah, so I have a website, offbeathealthllc.com, and also I'm on Facebook, um, I'm on TikTok, I'm on Instagram. Um, my Facebook community is Offbeat Health Community. Would love to have everybody there. Um, we talk about a lot of different topics and have some really good conversations there. Awesome. Yeah, I haven't even like snuck a peek at TikTok yet, but I keep hearing about it. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Don't do it. No. <laughs> It's a lot of fun and can be very educational, but okay. yeah. All right. Well, it was great chatting with you and um, we'll be in touch because we're part of Farm to Table. Yes. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Sounds good. Have a great night. You too. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Raw Fork Podcast. And I truly hope you enjoyed the show. If you learned something new from it, I would really appreciate if you can give us a five-star rating and a sincere review so that more people can find it across the podcast platforms. To get in touch with me, please go on rawfork.com or email me directly at marina at rawfork.com. Take good care and I'll see you back here next week.